right, uh, we are on with Shiraz. Shiraz is a healthcare executive. Uh, he specializes in transforming organizations and uh, building uh, long-term strategies for them, as well as uh, really, really experienced and big in operational uh, excellence. I met Shiraz through uh, the same company that we're working for right now, TPG. He is uh, a great consultant as well, and uh, really it's been a pleasure working with him. Uh, how are you, Shiraz? Thanks for the intro. I'm doing well, Reza. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I know you're really busy as well, gearing up for some new projects uh, too, so really appreciate it. Absolutely. Not at all. So for those who uh, don't know, can you uh, contextualize, you know, uh, what it is that you do and uh, kind of a small intro, if you will? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm, uh, I may would classify myself as a change expert. And whatever the nature of that change may be, my role is to figure out how to implement it. And oftentimes changes are operational and, uh, and most often organizations nowadays that are more mature, they're struggling to get their staff and, and, and their culture a bit more adoptive to the operational challenges of today, uh, whether it's uh, cost challenges, whether it's uh, market challenges, whether it's challenges with uh, you know, uh, growth. So my role is to find ways and tactics to solve these challenges in a way that engages uh, the broader organization. So that's how I'd classify myself broadly. Uh, the past 10 years, past 11 years, actually, of my 21 years of uh, working in this field has been focused very much on healthcare because I think healthcare is just fascinating. I think the level of complexity that you deal with in healthcare with with uh, consumers, patients, uh, providers, physicians, the dynamics between them, government, funding models, incentives is so unbelievably complex that it's one of those industries that are just ripe for improvement, um, not just from an operational lens, but also from a strategic lens and from a more model of care lens. So that's been my passion over the past 11 years, but I have had a lot of work, my exposure to improvement and transformational change actually started with the Bombardier Aerospace and Manufacturing. And uh, they were one of the early adapters of Lean Six Sigma in Canada and, and a massive scale for a large organization. So that's where I got my start. So I uh, spent a good few years there working on transformation at the Toronto site. And then I moved on to energy uh, sectors and direct energy. Uh, but healthcare is my passion, so I've been there. And lately I've been working with TPG um, in uh, various sectors as well. So it's been an exciting um, past few years all around, uh, but I can say that the principles are the same. Um, you need to be able to engage people at a, a, a very meaningful lens uh, in, in a way that makes them want to change. And then you want them to have the tools to change. And then you want to set up a structure within the organization that allows people to coach each other as uh, they try to adopt change. So these principles sit everywhere. So I, I, I really enjoy uh, venturing outside of healthcare uh, as well. Uh, but lately I have been very much in healthcare and, and, and that's where my passion lies. Interesting. Okay, so uh, you mentioned you mentioned operational improvement. And to me, the, the, the question that really arises is what is the difference between 
uh, operations process improvement versus when you're looking at it from a strategic uh, level and a strategic lens or point of view are the um, you know tools and frameworks or mechanisms that you would use in one versus the other be different it's hmm. a great question i mean you would one could argue strategy is a combination of small tactics so and and in order to make those small tactics work you need the ability to execute on those tactics and there in turn is what operations does operations is essentially um, the process of executing on tactics broken down by the hour right broken down by the day so you're working towards the same goal if i was to be quizzed or if i was to ask you i would maybe ask this question what is more important for an organization if you were to choose one an awesome strategy or awesome operational execution what, what would you pick i mean that that's a question that i was asked one day i had to think about it but um, if i was to ask that to you what would you pick that is an interesting question um i mean both are very important in in a way i would say in the long run it's important to you know, know which direction you're headed towards, which is where the strategy comes in. But then in order to run efficiently on a day-to-day -day basis, you do need your operations to be in order. Otherwise you won't even get to that strategy. Mm -hmm. Let me put it another way. I'm just gonna use a, I'm gonna use an airplane example because my exposure to transformation was in aviation. So I can use an example. Would you rather be in an airplane that is operating really well, but not sure where it's headed, or in a plane that you absolutely are sure where it's heading, but it's not really operating well at all. <laughs> Definitely in a plane that works and is operating <laughs> smoothly for sure. Right. So, I mean, it, it was a question that's been raised in, in many circles, and it's not an easy answer. But I'm I'm strongly of the view that you need to have solid operations as a foundation, because that's what your culture is, right? Culture is how you solve problems every day, right? I like, that's how I like to define culture. And if your operational framework, if your daily operations do not allow people to solve problems every day in their realm, your organization is not gonna be able to adapt to change. Mm -hmm. So strategy can change, right? If you have solid operational foundation and solid execution framework, then you can actually adopt yourself to a new strategy when things change. Because you have a really good way of cascading goals. You've got a uh, coaching-based culture. You've got uh, clear metrics defining what success looks like. And you've got processes and technologies in place to help you get you there, right? So if you decide, okay, well, it looks like uh, we're gonna change our market. We're gonna change our audience. We're going to change our product mix right, strategic decisions, you can actually, and again, not to say strategy is easy, strategy is really hard, but when you make that big shift, if you have a strong operational foundation, you can make that shift more effectively. Very true. Guess what? You've got the foundation for cascading metrics. Mm -hmm. You've got performance management. You've got people who understand their role in the organization in terms of metrics, in terms of improvement. And uh, you've got technology in place that can, you know, or, or, or let's just say data that can be adopted or modified to suit the new strategy. However, you could have the world's best strategy, right? Perfect strategy, but you just can't execute. And at that point, it's just a 
work of fiction on, on in a document, right? It's this aspirational, you haven't done anything. So that's why I think the foundation of everything is operations. Um, obviously, nobody can say either or. You have to be in the right you know, market and make some really critical decisions on what you're going to do versus not do mm-hmm. um, in order to think about strategy. So um, I was just posing this as kind of a interesting conversation piece because I know that people often talk about strategy and operations kind of separately. I think obviously they're very close intertwined. But I think if you were to pick one, um, you know, and, and, and often the part that is not as glamorous as strategy, the day-to-day operations, the, the cold face, so to speak, yeah. that's where you, you, you know people often need a lot of guidance and support. Um, so when it comes to strategy, I think, you know, again, back to operational discipline, strategy is about what you don't do, right? So about what you organization, do. right. That's what I believe. Everybody wants to do everything, right? If you go to an organization, they want to do everything. They want it. They know they can possibly make money or, or, or get into lost in the markets. But strategy is about saying what we're not going to do and being very clear about what we're not going to do. And they're in turn being clear about what they are going to try to distinguish themselves in. So that's strategy. So strategy is a bunch of tough decisions you got to make. Uh, and, and, and obviously, once you make those decisions, you get your engine running around moving in that direction. And, you know, it takes a while to unwind, right? So if you make a you know, poor strategic choice, you have to be able to unwind. So if you have good operations, you can change direction that much more easily. And, and if you look at anything that's happening in the world today, you know, I don't know if organizations, most organizations have the capacity to make long lasting strategic decisions that stick, right? They have to be constantly, you know, agile and, and responding to the environment as well while they uh, while they think about their strategy. Interesting, man. I, I always appreciate speaking with you because uh, every conversation I'm learning something new. Uh, mm-hmm. So this question about operations and strategy, I mean, it was a very good example as well to convey what is more important. I mean, sure, they're both important, but at the end of the day, like you said, if you don't have your operations running smoothly and nimble and agile, then uh, no matter how glamorous your strategy is, it's not really uh, reality. It's just daydreaming at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. So I just want to dive or zoom in a little into um, operations. So I know you've had a lot of experience, you said, in the aviation industry, in healthcare, and now with TPG uh, amongst you know multiple pro- projects or across multiple projects. What were some common operational challenges or what are some common operational challenges that you see organizations facing? And we can talk about we can talk about this in the context of healthcare as well. Uh, but I'm curious to know your, your thoughts. Are there any recurring patterns that you see or um, any any themes across different industries? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a very um, my view is this there's so many technologies and so many tools that are out there now uh, in terms of just richness of information mm-hmm. uh, that help people make better decisions operationally right things that would have taken you months and months to you know data to compile now you can do it in a matter of you know minutes there's so many um you know tools out there from a simulation perspective, discrete and event simulation and, you know, uh, process automation that are out there that help with the uh, operational challenges. Um, 
so it's it's tough to say you know what's kind of been the more most resonant issue um every industry has their own unique issues I mean, like in healthcare consistently at least in canada it's about access right resources aren't growing yet the population is growing um the demand for complex care needs are growing mm -hmm. the age demographic is growing so as people get older the demand on the system grows the demand of multiple disciplines grow the demand on long-term care on, on, on affordable care continues to grow. And that's not too different from other industries. I mean, you keep on, you know, one of the operational challenges that we always talk about is how do we keep on doing more with the same resources or if not fewer resources, that's been the constant challenge. And then you keep on scraping away at that bone, right? Mm -hmm. You, uh, you uh, always run the risk of moving from lean and mean to skinny and angry. Right. How much can you keep on scraping at that you know, at that same, you know, at the same bone to get more and more? Um, to me, I think the most consistent challenge that exists in operations is sustainability of the operational improvements that you bring in. So it's it's uh, you know, I've been I've been around long enough in enough industries to know that projects repeat themselves every four to five years. Mm -hmm. like, larger organizations every four to five years they're going to you know maybe now it's three years they're going to do the same exact project that they did three years ago or four years ago and to get the same exact results that either they forgot about or people changed or they were not able to sustain hmm. and, and to me by and large that's our biggest challenge uh, we know how to improve things there's lots of tools and methods that you can bring in place to improve things we as consultants come in and, and help provide that guidance. But what's missing and what's difficult is long after we're gone as consultants or long after the project teams are gone, what is organization doing to embed these improvements? And that's what we call the, the, the management operating system or you know just an operating system. And I think that is still an area of, uh, of, of management science that is not quite there yet. I think from a cultural perspective, there's a long way to go in many organizations to sustain improvements in a meaningful way. So, so is this intertwined with change management? It is, I mean, change management is, I mean, part of it is communication. Part of it is how do we get people to actually buy in and mm -hmm. want to own these changes? And absolutely, you're right. You know, once people feel like they're the ones who are owning the changes rather than it's being done to them, then they are more adaptive to the changes and they stick. But on top of change management, and I guess you could almost say it's part of change management in a way, but on top of change management, you really need to have a management system. And when I say management system, I actually mean, what are the daily habits of people? What do people do every day to think about management and improvement? It's not just something that should be limited to the boardrooms, right? And so, so, so for me, I look for what's happening outside the boardroom. Are people spontaneously getting together to solve problems? Do they have a standard way to solve problems that they can easily teach each other? Mm. Do they have a standard vernacular or language on which they use to dissect a problem and to come up with a solution? So when people talk about things like Lean or Six Sigma, it's not so much about you know, the, the brands, but it's really standardization of certain methods and, and, and language and, and uh, tools that are approachable by the front line. So they can make part of they make, they can become 
Um, they can make it part of their routine. And then are they meeting every day? Are they thinking about improvement every day as part of their job? Or are they waiting for a special committee to convene to um, look at this project, a kickoff a project and improve stuff? And I, I am, I am a, I'm not a fan of improvement by committee. Right? You, you, mm -hmm. you don't get sustainable improvements by doing improvement by committee. And most projects start that way, but certainly you don't want to have that as an ongoing way to manage your organization. So to me, that is a universal challenge, a universal issue around um, all industry is how do we embed improvements? And the more employee turnover you have, the less you retain knowledge, the less you retain knowledge, the more you're likely to fall back to your old practices and or the less ownership you have among employees among staff or among leadership, the less likely they are to carry on with the changes um, that executives want to bring aboard. Yeah, this, this question always comes into my mind. I I always, you know, kind of marinate the idea of top-down versus bottom-up uh, management operating systems. And it's, it's always a question to me as to which is a more sustainable and impactful way to approach this, you know, because like you said, when a project team leaves or when there's a new generation of, uh, of the workforce that enters the organization or the consultants leave the project, um, what is the best way to continue making sure that that machinery is running smoothly? And when I say machinery, I actually mean the system, you know, yeah. how, how can it be run smoothly? You know, there, I, there isn't an easy answer to that, right? I think it's a combination of both, and I don't intend to sound wishy-washy on this, but executives have a role to play by providing direction. And then to me, the most important thing they can do, aside from providing direction, number two, is model behaviors. What, how do they approach problems? How do they exhibit themselves in front of others? And how do they deal with difficult situations? And how do they elicit um, learning from their staff? And how do they encourage their staff to come up with solutions, right? So that's the coaching part. That's the behaviors part. If you have uh, destructive behaviors or behaviors that are not um, conducive to improvement and innovative thinking among the executives, and they're not exhibiting those behaviors, if they're not self-aware enough among themselves to exhibit those behaviors, and you can have the best management system top down, bottom up in the world, you're just not going to have it sustainable because right? you're just not having the right kind of conversation because it takes a lot for a frontline employee to decide to say you know what my job isn't just my job to punch in punch out my job is to also improve my job mm -hmm. right? i've got two jobs to do my job and to improve my job it takes a lot for them to come up with their minds and they and they need a lot of support they need a lot of um, encouragement to say you know what we're going to support you in that journey it, you know, as executives, we have to carve out time for you to improve your job. We've got to give you training. We've got to, you know, model behavior so that you know what good looks like. Mm -hmm. And then we will hold your middle management to account to make sure that they're exhibiting these behaviors. So as executives, it's a huge responsibility. You're, you're stepping out of the boardroom. You're showing yourself to employees and you're modeling certain behaviors and, and using certain language you want them to use. That's really hard. Right? And, and, and then you're doing it repeatedly, right? You're making it a pattern. So once staff starts seeing your behavior, your pattern of behavior as an executive, then the system starts to work. So then we can talk about bottom up. 
Interesting. Yeah, that that's that. All of this is uh, you know on the road or journey to achieving operational excellence, right? That's that's really what operational excellence is, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and lean six sigma are just tools that you can, like you said, uh, learn in order to integrate into the organization in, in order to be able to solve problems or identify waste or reduce variation in whatever context that we're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and it's really, you know, engineers like yourselves and, and, and your colleagues, and you know, when they come into organizations as consultants or otherwise, they'll bring a certain level of sophistication in the tools that obviously the average employee is not going to necessarily comprehend they might appreciate it but they may not comprehend the nuances of it and that's fine that's the role of the consultant the second part of it is okay well now that this is done now that the improvement is in place now the solution is in place what's my role as an employee what can i understand about the solution that i can own and implement and continue to maintain so that's the translation part that's the part where the solution the elegant solution that's built needs to be translated into a set of tactics that any employee can make part of their day, right? So you come up with a new process, great. Uh, is that process easy to understand? Mm -hmm. Is that process simple to update? Is that process accessible? And can an employee, can a supervisory level person audit that process a month down the road and say, yeah, it still makes sense and I'll update it. So it's the translation of approachable methods and tools that need to be thought about as well when a solution is implemented so that people can think about, well, what can we do? What's our role? And I think fundamentally that's the, that's the point of lean, right? I mean, it's, it's lean management. It's making improvement accessible to everybody mm -hmm. in, in uh, you know, based upon, you know, their knowledge in the organization based upon where they are in the organization. It's like everybody's job to be able to make change happen. Right. Otherwise, if it's too complex or totally irrelevant to the specific role that you're looking at, then it won't be sustainable, right? Yeah. I mean, you tell me the last time you've seen really smart people come in to an organization as external folks or even internal people, internal consultants, and be super successful in implementing a huge solution um, because they came up with the best idea and they came up with the best solution. It's just, I've never seen it. Right. You see tremendous amounts of resistance to it because everybody's thinking, well, what do these guys know, right? They're sitting in a room with their pointy hats and uh, coming up with elegant answers to problems that um, they don't fully understand. The whole point of lean is you're coming up with those solutions still, but you're contextualizing and you're inviting the rest of the organization and staff to come up with their nuanced approach to implementing that solution and sustaining that solution and owning it. So you're you're giving them the opportunity, again, think about top down, bottom up again. You're giving them the opportunity to making the solution more customized to them in their environment and owning it. And being able to, in their own way, in their own small way, small, medium, large way, make an improvement around it. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, sitting in a room with their pointy ads. One thing that came to my mind is like being a corporate philosopher, you know? It's like you you come up with all these grand ideas, but somehow those philosophies that you come up with have to uh, translate into the daily life of every every employee, which is interesting. Yeah. 
So another thing that I you know wanted to touch on and get your get your input on is for young people who are entering the industry, let's say healthcare, right? Um, do you have any recommendations for them in terms of, uh, let's say, if someone were to say, I want to prioritize some of the things that uh, I should be learning or some of the things I should be focusing on, right? So going back to our first point about operations versus strategy, obviously it's more important to focus on excellent operations and then come up with a strategy. So on a similar note, if someone were to ask you, I want to enter the healthcare industry and uh, what are some of the important elements that I need to focus on? What, what would you say to that? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, when I, in healthcare, healthcare is such a huge beast, right? When you, when I think about strategy in healthcare, you kind of have to think about it one of two ways. Either it's strategy within a healthcare organization, which is much more operationally driven. So most hospital, every hospital has a strategy. They've got a five-year, seven-year strategy. And most hospitals have that established based upon, you know, either some internal work or some consultant work, and they've put some lines in the sand and what they want to be when they grow up, right? At that point, strategy as a strategy formulation is kind of done, right? I mean, you obviously make adoptions, but that's kind of done. Everything else is execution of that strategy. Hmm. So the strategy offices of those organizations focus on translating those statements or those goals into deployable tasks or deployable actions uh, along with measurable uh, indicators of those actions, which you would call a scorecard. Um, And then translating that into projects, tactics, uh, programs that are needed to implement, right? So that's kind of where strategy comes in. And I think that's very deeply embedded with execution, right? Operational execution. Now within execution in hospitals, uh, I'm talking specifically about hospitals Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, pharmacy, pharma, um, so forth. A big part of that is actually pure operational implementation of their, uh, their, their departments to, to work more effectively uh, towards a goal. So if you're talking about a hospital, you're going to say, I want to be able to improve our um, patient throughput by 30%. We know we want to reduce our length of stay so we can see our patients every day. We want to provide improvement to access uh, mm-hmm. So that we're able to use, you know, theory of constraints, or we're able to use, um, you know, queuing theory. We're able to use, you know, basic tools to optimize patient flow, optimize, understand demand, so that we know what kind of um, model to to apply to our supply of resources. And that's not different to any other industry, right? You're always trying to figure out how to anticipate demand. And then you're trying to figure out how to optimize your resources in a way that can effectively resolve that demand and not create a big backlog, right? Not create a huge delay. So in hospitals, most of the operational work is around that, whether it's in, you know, research, whether it's in pharmacy, whether it's in the lab, whether it's an inpatient, whether it's outpatient, you're always trying to optimize that. But that's pure ops, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, then there's functions that look at actually producing, you know, like, research and producing, you know, uh, clinical collateral, clinical, you know, outcome research, but that's more about execution on other goals that were laid on the strategy. So become the best in provision of healthcare or become a leading center in, you know, heart, you know, in, 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 in heart health. Uh, but those are still tactics that need to be measured. 
and it's operations, it's operations science that allows you to translate even, you know, um, task-based or project-based metrics into things that you can measure and then hold yourself accountable to. So that's why, again, you know, in hospitals, operations is, is, is a huge area, right? Not just operational efficiency, but operations full stop. Mm-hmm. Now, when I talk about strategy, I think in strategy kind of in hospitals kind of stops there. And obviously every hospital wants to grow and expand and create better networks with other hospitals to talk about strategy there too. Yeah. But the other side of it is, to my earlier point, strategy within the healthcare system, right? And I think that's where a lot of, people who are very passionate about strategy need to think about, you know, exposing themselves. And it's like, well, how do we use all these various agencies we have across Canada? I'm just using a Canadian example. All these agencies, uh, primary care, you know, tertiary care, long-term care, um, and how do we use them in a way that is most effective to deliver care? And that strategy is around, again, continuity of care is making sure you're removing roadblocks to patient care. So that, again, goes back to operations. What do you what what can you use in terms of operational science to understand what the patient journey is right now? Right. What's not working for them right now? Yeah. And how can you then strategically align all these various agencies and resources um, that there are many of to give them the maximum impact? Interesting. Okay. So, so I would always say, you know, especially when you, when you look at people from business and I'm an MBA myself, you're kind of trained more to think like a CEO, but you're entering an organization, not as a CEO, you're entering an organization, uh, you know, at, at the ground floor, uh, trying to make an impact. And it's really important to have a strategic lens to your thought, but it's really, I think it's even more important to understand what are the operational weak points in your environment and how do you improve those operational you know, weak points or risks through the use of you know uh, data through the use of operational science uh, you know data science and, and there's so much more out there now in terms of um, availability of data that wasn't there before that i think operational science and operational excellence can accelerate five to six times faster than what we're used to what used to take me and my teams months to you know collect in terms of data now because of health record systems, we can have access to an immense amount of data. So I think uh, I would really encourage, and I know that you, you know, you guys are already doing it at TPG and you know, we're already looking at it very heavily is knowing how to use uh, big data effectively. Yeah, that's that's another yeah. branch, right? The, 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 there's where That's where data science comes in and being able to use tools to manipulate and basically use data to your to your advantage because data is the new oil you know as they say yeah that's a great i mean that's that's pretty much if i use the analogy from energy before you had to spend millions and millions of dollars guessing where oil is and then digging wells and now with fracking with (laughs) new technology you can actually uh, get to uh, oil, whatever, wherever it is with, with, with minimal cost and think about data the same way. Now you have access to so much more data than all the challenges, what data can actually use to um, package in a simple way so that executives can help make good decisions. Because right now it's a data overload issue. So now you know the challenge of people in our position is how do I give you something that's simple uh, yet complete to be able to make good decisions. And that's where I think people, you know, in data science, 
and you know data visualization are such key players now in the industry to be able to do that uh, on top of people who are actually going to be able to implement and execute right so it's 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 really good then if you are able to you know uh, have some knowledge on data science, but then also have that lens through which you understand the business. And going back to your earlier point on strategy, and you said strategy is really, um, you know, choosing what not to do rather than what to do, then uh, on a similar basis, data science is really looking at what data we don't need rather than what data we need because of how much overload there is already, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's so much out there that you can get buried into it, in it and, and then lost in it. So uh, it, it, it just goes back to the discipline of the consultant again, is um, can we formulate the right kind of educated guesses or hypotheses, uh, you know, so that we can at least guess what kind of data we need first and make decisions from that data rather than you know, going for going for everything, trying to trying to get every single smidge of information out there and then not know what to do with it. Interesting. Okay. So now zooming out, I want to, you know, go on a lighter question a little bit. Uh, I wanted to know what book or books would you recommend to a friend or, or a loved one as we speak? Like just any book? Any book. Yeah. Or a book. Okay. Yeah, sure. Any book yeah. and one book that's related to, um, something around healthcare or operation excellence or consult consulting yeah for sure um i've got a, i've got a lot so i was trying to think as you're talking which ones i would recommend right off the bat i think for anybody who's thinking about leading change i would almost say think about yourself as a person like who you know what are your beliefs as a person regarding change before you think that you can help change anybody or anything else. So, and I think one of the really good books that I would recommend on that is called Leadership and Self-Deception and highly recommend that. And again, it's very focused on thinking about what is your paradigm about yourself related to change and thinking about others. It gives you a lot of tools to reflect on what are your biases coming into problems and I think I'm a big believer that if you work on yourself, you'll be able to work on others. So I think that's where that book comes in. I think that's a fantastic book. The other one actually is um, a, a book that um, is healthcare focused, but it's applicable anywhere. And I think it's one of those um, it's one of those early books that I read, and it really made an impact on me when I was looking into healthcare. However, I will say that the concepts are applicable everywhere. And this is a, a book by Quint Studer. Uh, Quint Studer was a CEO of a hospital for many, many years, and then he became a consultant. And uh, he was remarkably effective and successful in implementing operational excellence into the hospitals that he went to. And he decided to write a book to kind of codify what are his key principles and what does he do. And it goes back to behaviors, goes back to uh, what are the patterns? Uh, what are the uh, what's the cadence of of uh, management tasks you do during the course of a day, mm -hmm. and what's the language you use? And the, uh, the book that he called that that um, he wrote was called Hardwiring Excellence. 
So I really recommend that for anybody who wants to get into healthcare and reflect on what is it that it takes, you know, what kind of leadership qualities and operational excellence mindset qualities need to be in an individual trying to make change in hospitals. Yeah. So I'd really recommend those books for sure. Okay. Hardwiring excellence and leadership and deception. Uh, leadership and self-deception. Self oh, self-deception. Yeah. Okay. That would be a whole different book if it was called Leadership and Deception. That would be, that'd be a different topic for a different podcast. That is very true. Yeah, yeah. Totally changed the whole meaning. Um, okay, sounds good. Shiraz, if there's anything else that you wanted to touch on, I'd be happy to chat about it. If not, um, I know you're busy too. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a pleasure. Like I said, I always learn something new from you every time that we speak and um, I know the other day you also sent me this book on uh, healthcare 4.0. So mm. I'm in the process of uh, kind of absorbing and taking some of the concepts in as well. So uh, thank you. And yeah, man, it's uh, it's been really good chatting with you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Anytime. Anytime. I'm happy to chat. All right, sir. Thank you very much again. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot.